Amen. If you feel his presence, praise him again. Glory, Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Mm. I worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Amen. He's he's good. He's good. Turn with me to the general epistle, the first general epistle of John, in your word tonight, please. <clears throat> Not the gospel, but the first general epistle of John, instructed of the Lord to preach this epistle to you. Not in one night, of course, but we'll get started in it. <clears throat> He's awesome. He started talking to me, I guess it was probably Tuesday, about this epistle. <clears throat> I've never preached from it before, that as far as the whole epistle. And... Uh, I read it, read it through, read it through, read it over and over and over, trying to get the mind of God from it. For three days, just feeling after the Lord to open this book up to me so that we could understand it as a church. Amen. And there was a discontentment, a divine discontentment inside of me to see what the Lord was saying especially having gone to see the passion of the Christ not knowing really that this epistle would be an explanation of it the passion of the Christ to us so our focus in this book is going to be the principles of the cross or the cross principle the title of the message tonight and I did not try to make this fit into the timing it just God's timing and so if it's God's timing you don't have to make it fit but it's it's in the text and the message tonight that God wants me to bring to you is the life of God in theater the life of God in theater say with me the life of God in theater first epistle of John verse 1 that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes 
which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. One question for you. Did you come to have a move of God in your heart tonight? Did you come with an expectation? <clears throat> I'm going to read it again. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest, manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness, at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And his word is not in us. Father God, I thank you right now for your awesome spirit, your awesome presence. I cannot bring this word, Lord Jesus, without your anointing, without your inspiration. I thank you tonight, Lord, though we do have an unction from the Holy One, that God, that you're in this place. We thank you, Jesus, for the truth, God, that you've given us. We exalt you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Before you're seated, look at your neighbor and say, The life of God <clears throat> in theater. You may be seated. First of all, let's talk about John just a little bit to give you a little idea about who he is. John is the writer of the Gospel of John. He is also the writer of the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse. The Gospel of John is connected with these epistles of John, as is the book of Revelation. 
So when I come to 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, they are connected to the gospel and to the revelation of Jesus Christ. In order to understand this book, I have to understand the other two, the gospels and the book of Revelation, because basically his focus is the same. These epistles were written, these letters were written by John after he wrote the gospel and after he wrote the book of Revelation. After he came out off of the Isle of Patmos, after having been persecuted in his older or latter years, then he wrote these epistles. So the book of Revelation wasn't the last thing he wrote. It is these epistles. They are the last thing he wrote. The apostle Paul, in the time of his life, he was an older man, a very old man. In fact, tradition says, and I read this, that he was so old they had to carry him to church. He could not get there on his own power. But he refused to, to miss church. And so they literally carried John to church. And he got so tired after a while and so physically without strength that he could no longer preach. So he would lay on a pallet and they would gather around him and he would begin, and I say preach, I'm talking about to stand up and preach for an hour or two, but he would still in a sense preach. They would gather around this great apostle and he would say this, I say unto you that you love one another. Now I'm talking about a seasoned man of God. I'm talking about a man who wrote a gospel. I'm talking a man, about a man who saw the awesome book of Revelation. And all he can say to them is, I say unto you that you love one another. It is believed also that they would prop his hands up and hold him up and put him near a, near a podium like this. And he would stand up and say the, the same thing. He would say, I write unto you or I say unto you that you love one another. And that's all he would ever say in his last days of preaching. That's all he'd ever say. He would, according to tradition, he said nothing else. And so the people that were coming to hear him preach went to John and said, John, why do you keep repeating yourself? He said, because if you do that, you lack nothing else. If you ever get to a place where you can love one another, the way you're supposed to love one another, you don't need anything else. Because the only way to do that is to get in a place in God that you walk with God in such a way that it will cause you to walk with your fellow believer in such a way that you can love them. Peter was a man of action. James was a man of energy. John was a man of motive. They are the pillars in the church. Peter, James, and John. Action, energy, and motive. John is motive. John has the eagle spirit inside of him. A lot of people who talk about John or look at John's life, they think that he was a real pushover kind of guy. Because he's the man that laid his head on the bosom of Jesus Christ. 
And so they, they want to kind of paint John as sort of a weak kind of man. But John, Jesus called him a son of thunder. <laughs> and the reason why they want to depict him as a weak man, sort of a spineless man, is because he is the apostle of love. He is the apostle whom Jesus loved. And he's always talking about love. So they want to kind of put him in this mode of sort of being, or paint him as an effeminate man. But for me, I don't so much see the spirit of a dove in John, although he had the Holy Ghost in him, as I do see the spirit of an eagle in him. Because the fourth gospel of John is the eagle gospel. So I see the spirit of an eagle in that man. I see this, a man who has thunder in him. I see a man who has motive in him. I see a man in his latter years, all he can say is, I write unto you or send you that, I, that you love one another. And if you can get to that point, that's all you need. And it is this John who wrote this epistle of John. Let's look at it. Chapter 1, verse 1. <clears throat> that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. What are we talking about? That which was from the beginning. We're talking about the word of the Lord. Say the word of the Lord. John, as in the first chapter of his gospel, in the first chapter of his gospel, he said, in the beginning was the word. He said the word was with God and the word was God. The thought, the plan of God was in God, right? And then he said in verse 14, and the word became flesh. So the word becoming flesh is Jesus Christ. So John says that which was from the beginning. He says he is the one who created all things. He is God. Jesus is God. The creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the one that brought everything into existence. He is self-sufficient. He is always, he's always been. He's eternal God. He's before anything was. And from him, from God, everything was created. Life came from him. You understand what I'm saying? But it's not just talking about God who created everything. But it's talking about Jesus who was born into this earth. The beginning of his earthly walk. That which was from the beginning which we have heard. Say they heard. Which we have seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life. Which was with the father and was manifest unto us that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ who is he talking about here he's talking about Jesus the word the living word the creator of the heavens and the earth God that's who he's talking about he's talking about here the word of life say the word of life so the focus is life. Now, oh yes. 
God, when God created the heavens and the earth, on the sixth day, he created man and he put man in the earth. Do you believe that? Now, he is the word of life. So, God is life. Jesus is life. He doesn't have life. He is life. I have water. I'm not water. Jesus doesn't have life. He is life. He is Jesus, is unbeginning, uncreated life. Because he is life, everything that has a beginning, that lives, he's the one that produced it. Do you understand? Man was put in this earth, he is alive. He's got God's breath in him. But he falls in the garden. When that happens, of course, God warned him, he said, when you eat of that fruit, you shall surely die. So man who once was created in the image of God is going to fall. When he falls, he's going to lose life. That doesn't mean that he's going to physically die in that moment. What it means is he's lost real life. He's lost true life. He's lost the Spirit of God in him. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? And because he has lost that life now, what happens is his spirit is dead to God. His soul, his mind is dying. His body is dying. Because death has come in. You with me here? So John says that the word of life, who's Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, unbeginning life, who is life, doesn't have life, that one who created man and gave him life, but man fell and lost that life. And his mind began to die and his body began to die. He said it is that one, God, who is life, who has come into where man is dead. He come into where man is dead. Life came to death. He walked among dead people. Can you imagine dead man looking up one day and seeing life himself walking among them? Give God some praise. John said, this life, God himself has come into a place where there's nothing but death. Ooh. And when he got here, can you imagine looking at life itself? John said when he got here, he said this, we have heard him. We heard him. Now, God began to talk to me. He gave me an outline to this. You know, I love to study, read commentaries and study, and I did a lot of word studies. You've got to study the words to understand what this is all about. 
but I was still lost until last night. And God began to give me an outline to this. And he showed me this, that John is trying to declare you that the word of life uh, had come and that they heard him. They literally heard the word of life among dead men. Say they heard him with their ears. And then he says we have seen him with our eyes. And the word see there literally comes from the Greek word theater. He said when he came, the word of life showed up like a th in a theater where you would go and view something, where you would go and see something, where you would go and look upon something and you would gaze upon something. And it was the very word of life who come among dead men and walked among death and dead men. That very God himself came into this world and we saw him as in a theater. Now what makes that so large and so awesome is that most God, you know, I'm talking about false gods, in the culture of John's day were looked at as the ones who looked at the people on the earth. And the people of the earth were the, the ones that were involved in the battle. And that the deities, or the false gods, were watching man in this earth as they struggled through so-called life. So it was deities looking at men who were the spectacles. It was deity looking at men as if they were the theater. Even God himself was looked at as a God who has created man, put man in this earth, and then you're set back on his throne and left man all by himself. And God's just watching man go through life. That you are the spectacle. That you are the one that's being looked at. That you are the theater in which deity is looking upon. But what God says here and what the apostle John says. He says it wasn't deity making you a spectacle. It wasn't deity looking at you struggle through life and battle through life. It was deity himself who became the spectacle. It was God himself who became the one who was in theater. It was God himself that didn't just come and look at man going through life struggling and battling on the platform or the stage of life. It was God himself that came and walked among dead men. And those dead men looked at life right in the eyes and saw him in a, like a theater form. So God, deity, Jesus, became the one who was the spectacle, who came to fight your battle and not only fight your battle but destroy death in it that's why he went to the cross that's why he suffered what he suffered that's why he did he experienced the passion of the Christ was because he had to come in the midst of dead men and become the spectacle the one that's in the theater the one that would be seen Be seen by man as coming into the battle and then defeating 
the battle. So what God told me, he said this. He said, I had to be seen. And I had to be heard. And the only way I could be seen and I could be heard is if I came and walked among dead people. But not just look at them, but let them look at me. And not just watch them fight the battle, but I must enter into the battle with them. I must become the spectacle. I must be seen. Are you with me tonight? Give God praise. And so, by his death, he experienced the death of men. He experienced the deadness of men. So listen, by the death, this death of men, or the deadness of men, he conquered death. And by that, he has brought life to you. He showed up in the theater of time. God himself, Theos in theater, God himself came down here to die your death. God himself came down here to pay the price to redeem you from death so he could give you life. Give God some praise. Give God a hand clap of praise. And so in John's gospel, Jesus said this, he is the light of the world. And because he is the light, he is the life of man. He is the author of your life originally, but not just originally. Then he came in this world of deadness to buy you back, to purchase you, and to die in your place so that you could have the very life of God, so that you could fellowship with life. We'll give God a hand clap of praise. And so he goes on, he says, not only did we see him, we have looked upon, you know what, it's not just imagination either. That's his point. It wasn't like you go to a theater today and you see it and by imagination you experience it. He said he really came. He really came in the theater of life. And when we looked upon him, we saw him. What you saw in theater form was historically correct. What you saw in theater form was biblically correct. What you saw in the passion of the Christ. Listen, are you with me tonight? Was God showing up in a theater? What you experienced when you walked into that cinema that day, when you watched and you saw what he went through. You literally experienced life of God in a theater. God showed up in that place, in the place of death, in the place of dying, in the, in the middle of a bunch of dead people. He showed up because he must be seen. And he must be heard. The Bible says we looked upon him. Hallelujah. We saw him physically. 
Now, listen to me. When it says they saw him, that doesn't mean they just looked at him with their eyes. But they perceived who he really was. See, there's a lot of people who see Jesus in a theater, but they don't know really who he is. But these apostles said when he came, we didn't just see him with our eyes physically. We didn't just have an optical perception. We had a spiritual perception. We realized that Jesus Christ was who he really was, and that's the life himself, the creator. Are you with me here? Give God some praise. Woo, hallelujah. He said, we looked upon him, and our hands had handled the word of life. Literally, that means our hands moved upon the surface of his body. We felt him. He was real. He wasn't like the, the, these so-called false teachers that were walking around in the days of John. The Gnostics who said that Jesus at his baptism got the spirit of the Christ upon him. And just before he died, the spirit of the Christ left him. And that really when Jesus died, it wasn't real blood. And it wasn't a real experience. He was nothing more than a ghost or, or a phantom. And that it looked like a, an illusion or an imagination thing that he went through but John says no he was a real God who walked in this real world who had a real body we heard him talk to us we saw him with our eyes we didn't just see him optically but we perceived and understood who he was he was life himself coming in this earth When he died on a cross, he really died. The blood that was shed was real blood. The stripes upon his back was real stripes. He did it just for you. So they said, we've seen him. But I'm here to tell you right now, the Lord says this. He must be seen now. And he must be heard now. Give God praise. And he must be handled now. How is that going to happen? Through you, the church. People are going to see Jesus in you. They're going to hear Jesus in you. They, woo, yeah, give God praise. God, are you with me? God placed man in the earth to begin with so that man could manifest God in the earth. And so the reason why you're here now is so you can manifest God in the earth. Give God some praise. Go to Exodus 9. Let me show you something. Oh, yes. 9.16. And in, in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up for to show in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. He told the people in the Old Testament, the reason why I raised you up and also he says and showed you my power is that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. The only reason why I'm here and you're here right now is to declare his name in all the earth. And the reason why he shows his power to us is so that he can be known, so that he can be seen, so that he can be heard. That's what it's all about. Oh, yeah. When we got home Sunday, my wife asked me this question. She said, 
how do you think it's going to do? It was projected, and I say it's going to do, I'm talking about the theater. <laughs> it was projected that it would make $60 million. That's what, the, that's what the last thing I heard was before we went and saw it. Projected to, to get $60 million. I told my wife when she asked me that question, I said, I believe it's going to go over $100 million. We got the newspaper the next day. She said, guess what? It went $105 million. But that wasn't even current information. Because there was something that was bothering me. Because even though at that time they said $105 million, it still had not surpassed the Lord of the Rings opening debut. So that was bothering me. Because I don't like anything like the Passion of the Christ to come into second place in any way. That was bothering me. Until that night, I heard that it went $125 plus million dollars. And it dethroned the Lord of the Rings debut on a Wednesday appearance. It got first place for a Wednesday appearance. We'll give God praise. It went over a hundred million dollars. And Hollywood was against it. And Hollywood was sitting in a Hollywood. Wouldn't open a door for it to be shown. But guess what? Mel Gibson said, I feel the Holy Ghost telling me, I've got to make this film. He must be seen. He must be heard. What he did must be experienced. And so he with a private little company got together and they produced this thing and now Hollywood's crying. Woo. Give God a hand clap of praise. Woo, yeah. John said when he came, we saw him in theater form. We saw life amongst death. We saw God himself, the creator of the heavens and the earth, come and die. Not just be a spectator watching a bunch of people, but the one who created all things became the spectacle, entered into the battle, and destroyed the powers of darkness. Give God praise. Yeah. He said, for the life was manifested. It appeared. Fenerou, it appeared like a lightning flashing from the heavens. Like brighter than the sun, the book of Revelation says. He's brighter than the noonday sun. Matthew says concerning his future coming, it's like a lightning flashing from the east to the west and so when he came he came like the sun in brightness he came like a lightning and flashing he appeared he was manifest give God some praise when he came he said we've seen it and then he said we bore witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the father and was manifested unto us. Say, so we got to show him to you. Ooh, yeah, we saw him, but we got to show him to you. Give God some praise. 
And so you remember in the Gospel of John, Jesus said this. Listen, he looked at Thomas one day, and he said, handle me and see. And Thomas reached out, the same writer who wrote these epistles, reached out and touched him. Put his hand in his side and his fingers in the nail prints. So Thomas touched him. John is the only one who recorded a man handling God. Now, when I was in that theater, I thought this one thing. As they were depicting his crucifixion, I thought to myself, he'll never experience it again. They will never do that to him again. In fact, after he rose from the dead, there is no record in Scripture where anybody who was evil ever touched him again. Only his saints handled him. Only his people handled him. So the apostle said, we heard him. We've seen him. He manifests like brilliant glory. Give God some praise. We're the only ones that ever touched him after his crucifixion. No wicked man ever touched him again. And I'm here to tell you, no wicked man will ever touch him again. He will never be crucified again. And so John said, Thomas handled him. Thomas touched him. He was real. Are you with me? He was the word of life among dead men. He died the death of men, and then he breathed in man the breath of life. Are you with me? So that now I can have fellowship with life himself. So no wonder also this same writer of John, he says this. He says, except you lose your life. If you find your life, you will lose it. Which means this. In these scriptures right here, it tells me that I as a man must become dependent. I cannot be independent of God. I must become dependent on the life. If I say I am life, I'm dead. I must become dependent on him and say he's life. The moment we become independent in ourselves and start walking around and saying we're life, that's when we are dead. The choice is mine and the choice is yours. You can say your life or you can say he's life. You can become dependent or you can choose to be independent. And to be independent of life means you are dead. And so John says this. He says, lest you lose your life. Watch this. If you don't lose your life for his sake. All right, you with me? Let me read it. Let me quote it to you right. He that finds his life shall lose it. If you find yourself. John says he's the word of life. If you find yourself in this world, if you find your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life, lose your life for his sake, 
you shall find it. What are you going to find? Your life. You didn't hear me. Let me say it to you again. If you find your life, you're going to lose your life. If you lose your life, you're going to find your life. Because what God's going to do, because he is life, the word of life, when you lose your life to him, when you surrender to him and say, I become dependent on you, I am not life, you are life. When you get to that place, he takes the life you have surrendered and then he turns around and he gives it back to you the way it really should be. The way you really should be is the way he gives it back to you. And so what happens is, when he gives your life back to you, the way your life is really supposed to be, then you're going back to what your purpose was in the beginning. Give God praise. And what happens is, your spirit that was dead is now made alive. So now you can communicate with God. Your mind that was dying now becomes to live. As the word goes forth, your mind is being renewed. And you're starting to live in your mind. And there's going to come a time when your body is going to be glorified. So what he did was, it's not just give you his life. He gave you your life back the way that it was supposed to be in the beginning. But if you walk around in this world, say, I'm what it's all about. I'm going to keep my life. I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to do it my way. God said you're going to lose your life. But he said if you lose your life for my sake, then you're going to find what? Your life. You're going to find it. And the it he's talking about is your life. But it's the right way. It's the real life. It's the true life. It's the way we were created to live in the beginning. And so that same John that talks like that is the writer who says, the word of life has come. We've seen him. We've heard him. We handled him. He has manifested in our midst. Right? His glory has showed up. He is God himself. He's the one that we become dependent on. He is the un, listen, he is uncreated life. He is unbeginning life. He doesn't just have life. He is life. Jesus said it this way in the same gospel of John chapter 11. He said, if you believe in me, he said, I am the resurrection. I am. I am, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He didn't say, I was going to, I'll bring you up and get, you know, uh, out of death uh, and resurrection and give you life. He said, I am resurrection. He said, I am life. Give God praise. I don't just have life. I am life. I don't just have resurrection. I am resurrection. Give God some praise. Woo. So, because now 
God has come into the arena of this world of death and died man's death. Now he has the ability to breathe life into us himself. So now I have fellowship with God himself because I recognize I'm not life. He is. I recognize that I must be dependent. To be independent means I'm dead. So what I'm trying to tell you, you are part of a very peculiar people because God, you, you have the life of God inside of you. You've seen him, you've heard him, you've touched him. Maybe not with your optical perception, but with your spiritual perception. And so I'm looking at a very strange group of people. I'm looking about some, I'm looking at people who are not the ordinary. God took you and breathed into you life. You are no longer the same person. But you are a brand new creation. And you've got the life of God in you and you are fellowshipping. So that you're in this world and you're surrounded by death. And you're surrounded by darkness. You're surrounded by the realm, the realm of sin. You are surrounded by demon powers who are in the realm of darkness. Watch, are you with me right now? But you have life and you have light in you because Jesus is inside of you. And you are a very, very strange bunch of people in this world. Give God praise. Why is that? It's because you heard him. You saw him. You realized who he really was. You listen to me. Are you hearing me right now? You have been born again. You have, watch, you have the seed of God in you. He's going to talk about it a little bit later in these chapters. You have the seed of God in you. God is in you. You literally have the genes of God in you. You are the offspring of God Almighty. Adam was called a son of God. Adam was the offspring of God until he fell. But man, Jesus came into this world and took on flesh so he could die the death of man to give you life. Are you with me right now? so that you could have the genes of God inside of you, so that you could have the nature of God inside of you, so that you watch this. Are you with me now? You could have the seed, the seed. His seed remains in you, and the word seed literally means sperma. He put his sperm in you. He put his sperm in you. He put his recreative power in you. You got the genetics of God inside of you. Now watch this. Watch this. You're still in the world, though. You're still in the realm of darkness, sin. You're still where the realm of darkness is, where the powers of demons are. You still have the consequence of sin to deal with. Sickness and physical death. Are you with me? 
We have been taken from moral darkness, but we have not been taken from the consequence of sin. We are still in the middle of that. Why am I saying that? Because people will come into this church. They will from the world. They'll come in here. Now, when they do, what you need to understand is this is that the church is not threatened by the world. Listen to me. The world does not just have darkness. John 8, he says, the world is darkness. You are in darkness in this world. Are you with me? You're surrounded by the... church hello i i was there i was in the realm of the world i was in the realm of darkness i was in the realm of sin i was in the realm where demon powers operated in my life at one time came to a church heard the word saw him recognized him believed him and got his life in me the word of life jesus came inside of me and I got regenerated I got the seed of God but hold on hold on it is because I believed what happens is see you have to be born into the kingdom you can't be transplanted into it you've got to be born in the body you can't be transplanted in it if you take a heart, you try to transplant a heart inside of this body, this body rejects it. You can't transplant a heart inside of this body without this body rejecting the heart that's been transplanted. You've got to give it drugs. You've got to give it all kinds of stuff. You've got to trick your body into thinking that that heart that's been transplanted inside of you is your heart. So what I'm telling you, the organs you were born with, because you were born with them, there's no rejection there. But if you try to transplant something that's not born in the body, the body rejects it. So, so there's nobody that can ever be translated into the church. I mean, tra translated, yes, but transplanted, no. They cannot be transplanted in the body. You can't come out of the world and, and walk around and say, I'm a Christian, and that make you a Christian. You must be born again. You've got to receive a new nature inside of you. Nobody, nobody is ever transplanted from the world into the body. They have to be born into the body for the body to not reject it. That's the point. You got the point. So what happens then is this. The men from the world, women from the world come in here. Now, if we're not careful, we get threatened by them. We feel uncomfortable because they're here. That's the reason why the church is here, is to give birth to them. Are you here? But they come in here and the church feels threatened. Are you with me? What's going on there? Really what's happening is they are threatened by the church. Hello, somebody. They come in here. They don't know what in the world's going on. These people are crazy. They've lost their mind. They're from another planet. 
Never seen anybody act like that. And so because they are from the world, then they come in here and it is they who are threatened. And so John is going to talk about them. Hello. John in this epistle is going to talk about them. He said they went out from us because they were not of us. So that what happens when they come from, if they're still in the realm of the world in sin and darkness, and they come in here, if they're not willing to convert and be born again, then what happens is they are threatened by that word. And because they're threatened by that word, they eventually, they can't stand it. They can't handle the word that's going forth. And because they can't handle the word that's going forth, they got to get out of there. So John says, they went out from us because they were not of us. They couldn't handle the word that was there because they were threatened by that word. But that's why they can't be transplanted and be comfortable. They've got to be born again before they can ever understand what this is all about. Give God some praise. Oh, yeah. Now, what happens is, is the world tries, oh, yeah, the book of Revelation. Here comes a beast. The world is against the church. So John shows the world against the church like a beast. And the beast comes and tries to crush it by its power. Because the church doesn't fit into this system. Because the church is his body. This church is a peculiar race of people. This is the seed of God in this earth. So the earth, the world tries to crush it like a beast in the book of Revelation. Or like a lamb with two horns that speaks like a dragon. It looks like the lamb. It looks like Jesus. It's got just enough truth to look a little bit like Jesus. But what it does is it seduces you to go into apostasy. It seeks to bring you out of the word of life. It seeks to bring you out of the true church. It seeks to get you to apostatize with just enough truth to take you to hell. So God talked about in the book of Revelation, John said this. He said he saw this lamb in Revelation 13 come up out of the lamb having two horns, and it spake like a dragon. So the world, are you here? The world is out there. It's in darkness, and it's trying to crush you by its power, the beast. It's trying to get you to apostatize by giving you just a little bit of truth. It kind of looks like Jesus, but it's not all the way Jesus. And so it seeks to give you apostasy. You've got to be careful about that. Because there's a lot of preaching that goes on behind pulpits that are, is not God. A lot of preaching behind pulpits is not God. It, there's just enough truth in there. Just enough preaching there, it'll kill you. I said it'll kill you. Because it appears as a lamb with two horns, but it speaks like a dragon. It gives you just a little bit of Jesus, and that's it.
Now, if the beast can't crush the church in the book of Revelation, then what happens is the lamb comes and tries to get you to apostatize by looking like the church. And if the lamb can't get you, I'm talking about the false prophet, Revelation 13, then what happens is in Revelation 17, we've got a woman who's all, she's perfumed up and she's all painted up. And her whole purpose is to go forth, painted up and perfumed up to what? To seduce you. To seduce you. And so that you will take the golden cup that is in her hand. So the world's purpose is to crush you by its power if it can. That's why when Jesus came, this world did not accept him. They had to crucify him. Because he came into a system of dead men. He came into the beast system. He came into the world of darkness. And he was the word of life. He was the light himself. And he threatened their system. And because he threatened their system, they couldn't handle him. So the world is going to come to you because you are very unique people. You've got the seed of God in you. You've got the word of life in you. It's going to come and try to crush you. It's going to come and try to give you just a little bit of truth to, give you a, to try to get you to apostatize. And if that doesn't get you, then we have the system come to you painted up and perfumed up to seduce you to take the golden cup that is in her hand. So you've got to be very aware of what the world is trying to do. Are you with me right now? Because there are two spheres. There are two realms. The realm of darkness and the realm of light. The realm of this, are you with me? This present world and then the kingdom of God. And when you talk about spheres, you are talking about powers. So I'm either walking in the power of light or I'm walking in the power of darkness. Now, you have got to hear what I'm telling you. I know I'm going fast, but I'm going to bring this to you so it applies to your life. Give God some praise. So the system, if it comes in here, watch what it'll do. The world comes in, and it opens its Bible just like you do. It opens its Bible just like you do. The world can read its Bible. The world opens its Bible. The world goes to church. But after a while, because the world can't be transplanted in the church, eventually that word that is preached, they have to get out. They can't stand the word. They can't stand the heat. So, then what we have is a manifestation of who those people really were. God, mercy. John says, they went out from us because they were not of us. They came to church, opened their Bibles, went through the motions and all of that. But just because you're, you say you're a Christian doesn't mean you're a Christian. Give God some praise. Woo! Are y'all with me up to this point? 
Let your neighbor say you got to lose your life. Then you'll find it. And you can't be transplanted. You got to be born. You got to get a completely new nature inside of you. Watch. Verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Yeah. That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. They said what we've seen and what we've heard must be declared. It must be told. Are you here? It has to be reported. It has to be testified. Watch. That you may have fellowship. Say fellowship with us. See, what makes you a believer is that you have believed the testimony of the apostles. You have believed the witness of the apostles. And because you have believed the witness of the apostles and the testimony of the apostles, then you have fellowship with them. The word fellowship means you participate with them. You're able to participate in their anointing because you believed their witness. It's not just believing whatever you want to believe. Because you might be seduced by that lamb with two horns that speaks like a dragon. You might have been seduced by the woman that's painted up and, and perfumed up who has a golden cup in her hand. You might have been crushed by this world to give into its mold. Are you hearing me tonight? So it's based on did you believe the testimony that they had about Jesus Christ? And did you believe that testimony? And if you did, you have fellowship with them. You participate in their anointing. You with me right now? And not only that, but you have fellowship with God. With God. His name is Jesus. Now watch this. Watch this. If you believe in him the way the Bible declares him, if you believe on him the way the apostles preached him, then what happens to you is this. You are known by the company you keep. So if you walk out of the church and you enjoy the world and running with the people in the world, you are known by the company you keep. But if you walk with God, then you have fellowship with his people, which means this, that you will run with people who are like you. And if you're like the world, then you run with people in the world. If you fellowship with the church, then most likely you are in the church because who you hang with declares who you are. That's why some people say, and I'm basing on this verse right here. That's why some people say this. If I could just get my kids away from so-and-so. They're good kids. They're just running with a bad crowd. And if I can just get them away from so-and-so, I want you to know 
The reason why they're running with a bad crowd is because there are the bad crowd. Did you hear what God's word said? You are known by the company you keep. If you fellowship the church, you fellowship with the body of God, Christ himself. You are known by the company you keep. If you're running with the world, you're in the world, honey. If you're running with bad company, you are bad company. Stop trying to make excuses for your children. They are what they are. And how do I know? By the company they keep. Well, that blew some of y'all away, right? Because maybe some of y'all have been flirting with the world. And I'm not saying that we're not to go out there and have friends that are in the world, but our purpose is to bring them into the kingdom. Not to run around with them and fellowship with what they do and, and entertain that dark lifestyle. Because you're known by the company you keep. Give God some praise. Oh, yes, give God praise. You see, he has been seen. He's been heard. You've got the life of God inside of you. You became dependent on him. You said, I'm not living. He is life. Without him, I am nothing. I am dead. Watch. He became the spectacle. I saw him. I know what he did for me. But now I have become a spectacle in a theater of life. People are looking at me. And if I'm fellowshipping with the apostles, if I'm fellowshipping with a church, then I'm declaring that they're my kind of people. And if you've got a problem fellowshipping with the body, maybe you've been transplanted here and you're really not born. Because if you feel more comfortable with the people in the world, you better check your relationship with life. Give God some praise. You can't help but be, in, be, be known. Lights, camera, action. You are what you are. And if you've just been transplanted in the kingdom, eventually you will not be able to stand it. And you'll go from us because you are not of us. Give God some praise. So the church is really not threatened by the world, the beast, the lamb, false prophet, or this woman here, this harlot. They just try to overcome her. The reason why they try to overcome her is because she threatens them. They can't handle us. 
they can't handle the word of life. They can't. Yeah, some of you are real quiet right now. Because God's got your number. Lights, camera, action. Because your action speaks louder than your words. My actions, my actions speak louder than my words. Now watch. Here we go. Here we go. Let me read verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. But if you have fellowship with Him, then you'll have fellowship with us. Here's what the Apostle is saying. If you have participation in Him, you will have participation in us. Because the word fellowship, koinonia, means participation. It means partnership. It also means contribution. So you are part of and are participating with his body. You are, are you with me right now? You are participating and you are in partnership with it. And you are in a contribution. And the reason why it has to be fellowship, participation, partnership, and contribution is because we cannot carry you if you don't contribute or you don't participate or you don't partnership with that body. If, listen, if you participate, you partnership, you with me, are you here? You contribute, that's what the word fellowship means. Then watch. You fellowship them, which means this, that when you contribute into the kingdom or the ministry, when you partnership with that ministry, or you participate with that ministry, or you contribute to that ministry, then you partake and participate in the anointing that is there. So the apostle said this, we have an unction from the Holy One. We have an anointing from the Holy One. I sow into men's ministries so I can participate in their anointing. Give God praise. And there must be a contribution because you can't carry the person. It stops the whole move. It shuts the whole move down. Give God some praise. Are you here? Are you here? Okay, here we go. It's going to affect our relationship with each other. My relationship with God affects my relationship with the body. Okay? Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? You are known by the company you keep. Now watch. Are y'all all right? He says this. Now all of you are down right now. <laughs> Verse 4, and these things write unto you that your joy may be full. He wants you to be full of joy.
Now, there's no way you can be full of joy if you're independent of God. There's no way you can be full of joy if you're running with the world. There's no way you can be full of joy if you're part of darkness. There's no way you can be full of joy if you're walking in a fallen state where dead men operate. He came among dead men to bring life to dead men and die the death of dead men. So your joy would be what? Full. Full of joy. But see what happened going back to the Garden of Eden again? Before the fall? When God said, let there be, he is life, and everything came from him who is the source of all things, and Jesus is the originator of all things. He is the beginning of all things. He made all things because he's life. And so he, he created man. You with me? Put Adam and Eve in a garden. He breathed in them the breath of life. And the word life there is plural. Physical life and spiritual life. When he breathed in them the breath of life into their nostrils, they had spiritual life and physical life. But when man fell, God said, in the day that you eat this, of this tree, you shall surely die. And so man died. They lost the spiritual side. They lost their relationship with God. Now what's the point? When they did that, they lost their joy. When they fell, joy became sorrow. When they fell, holiness became unholy. When they fell, beauty became ugly. When they fell, the image of God became the servants of Satan. And so that's why Jesus had to come in here. So your joy would be full. You would get what you lost. Give God some praise. Okay, here we go. Now he's going to give us a practical application of this. This then is the message which we have heard of him. The message. Say the message. To have a message means you have a messenger. To have a message means you have content. He said, this is the message, the content, yeah, watch, which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Give God praise. He said, we have testified. We have declared it unto you. We have reported it to you we narrated it to narrate it means that you have connected the sequence of events he said i've narrated it to you like in a theater i've connected the sequence of events i've narrated it to you i have reported it to you i've recited it to you which means i've repeated it to you i've testified i've witnessed it if you don't have a testimony tonight then you have no life. If you have no witness, you have no life. 
if you have no message, if you have no report, if you have no narrative, if you have no recital, then you have no life. Can I get a witness? <laughs> they said, we got a witness. Woo. He's light, and him is no darkness at all. I got a witness. I got a testimony tonight. I got a narrative tonight. I got a recital that I'm at right now. I'm telling you what he's done for you so that your joy can be full. Hmm. How many of you got a witness, a testimony tonight? So what he's saying is this, if he died and he was buried and he rose again, it doesn't matter if you're down tonight, you can get up. And the reason why, Exodus 9, 16, he said, the reason why I raised you up and showed you my power is so you could declare, so you can report, so you can testify my name in the earth. So I can manifest myself in you. Don't tell me I can't get up if he got up. If you sin, okay, don't come and just talk to me about how you got the victory over that sin. Where's the gospel? Don't just talk about how you quit this and how you quit that and how you quit this and how you quit that. Because I got news for you. There's a lot of people who quit a lot of things that don't mean they know God. Are you here? There's a lot of people who have separation who don't know God. So don't tell me how you got the victory over this and over that and over this and over that. Uh, don't just tell me that. Tell me what happened in the place of it. Give me the gospel. When you sin, did you repent and then bury that sin? Did you bury it? And having buried it, did you rise to walk in newness of life? Oh, yes. Give God praise. Now watch. He said, God is light and him is a no darkness at all. Now, I, I have to give this to you because you're not going to understand if I don't. There's two kinds of darkness that I want to deal with right now. One is moral darkness. Okay? The other is the results of darkness. It's still called darkness. Are you with me? Give God praise. Skotos 
S-K-O-T-O-S, is moral darkness, physical darkness. Jesus has no physical darkness, no spiritual darkness in him. Watch this, okay? Because of sin in the body, the body corrupts. It experiences the results of sin. That's why it decays and it corrupts. When they took Jesus off the cross and they put him in the sepulcher, his body saw no corruption. It did not begin to decay because there was no darkness in him. He took my sin and your sin upon himself on the cross. But because there was no sin in him, his body did not corrupt. He didn't even experience uh, the results of sin in his body. Now watch this. Watch. Watch. Okay, here we go. In him is no darkness at all. Now here we go. If we say that we have fellowship with him, if we say we're participating and in partnership with him and also contributing and involved in a contribution with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So we can walk around and say we're something that we're not. Just because I say it doesn't mean it's true. Now watch. Here we go. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Yeah. What he's talking about here is this. If I walk in habitual sin, because when we talk about darkness here, we're talking about sin. We're talking about the realm of darkness. We're talking about walking in the world. You with me here? We're walking in a habitual lifestyle of sin and death and darkness under the dominion of spirits, demonic spirits. You hear what I'm saying? If I'm walking in darkness, are you with me? And say with my mouth that I have fellowship with him, I lie and do not the truth. Now, to lie doesn't mean that you are in error. All of us at times walk in error. Are you with me? None of us are sinless. The difference is, are you walking in a lifestyle of the world habitually and sin in the world and at the same time claiming that you have fellowship with him? He said then, not only are you in error, but you are lying. And the word lying means this, that you are contesting truth. You are deliberately lying. You know what you're doing. You're saying, yeah, I know God, and you don't know God. Are you with me right now? When you come into the kingdom of God, darkness, sin, immorality is taken out of us. But we are still surrounded by 
darkness. Are you understanding? I'm not in, if I am in S-K-O-T-O-S, then I am not in fellowship with him because I'm walking in an immoral lifestyle. Are you with me? So I can talk all I want to, but it doesn't make it a reality because what God's trying to show you is this. you got to put action. There has to be action. He's looking for action. Not just words, but action. If you really know him, there's going to be action. Okay. At the same time, though, I am still surrounded by S-K-O-T-I-A, darkness. That darkness is demon powers. I'm still surrounded by the results of sin. The results of sin are darkness, which means this. Sometimes I get sick. Sometimes I come under demonic attack. Are you with me? I'm walking in a fallen world. Yes. Now watch what happens. Are y'all okay out there? But if, verse 7, if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. As long as you're walking in the light, there's still going to be the results of sin that comes against you. And there may be times, but you don't have to sin. <laughs> but there may be times when you sin against God. And he says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ just keeps on cleansing you from all sin. What he's telling you is this, is that when you sin, God's blood will be there to cleanse you. There's no sin that God's blood cannot cleanse you. Now watch. Watch this. If we walk in the light, he's in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Y'all believe that? So I need that. I need that. John understood that he is an apostle. He said, if we sin. So even a true apostle did not claim sinlessness. To walk around and say that you are sinless, you are a liar. You are contesting the truth. 
There is nobody here. I want you to know right now, a true apostle never got to a place where he said he was sinless. This helps me, and I hope it helps you, because a lot of you put men of God on a very high pedestal. If that was really God, then they would not be human. There wouldn't be no consequence of sin. That, oh, you, you, you've missed it. You don't understand, because you're walking like a Gnostic then, because you claim that you are sinless. And you're saying that for a man to be a true apostle like John means that he was sinless. And that is absolutely heresy. That is Gnosticism. Gnosticism walked around and said they were sinless. That does not give us a license to sin. If you walk with God, you walk in the light. As he's in the light, the blood of Jesus is going to keep on cleansing you. Which means this. If you really know him and life is in you and light is in you, you're not going to want to sin. You don't want to sin. But if we sin, we have an advocate to the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. This helps me because not too long ago I was walking in heavy condemnation and the powers of darkness, the results of sin were attacking me. They were telling me I was a false man. I was a lying prophet. Can I tell you something? You can't be a lying prophet without deliberately telling a lie. Just because you might be an error doesn't mean you're lying because to lie means it's a deliberate error that you present you are literally contesting truth this helps me it helps me I am not separate and apart from the consequences of sin I'm in the power the powers of darkness around me my body gets affected by this fallen world hello are you with me I at times and I'm not sinless I make error so do you but the blood of Jesus just keeps on cleansing me If you don't get this, there'll be times you feel like walking out of the church because you don't feel worthy. Because you know you're not sinless, but you're trying to put on a good theater. You're trying to put on a good show. You're trying to act like that you're sinless, and you are not, nor am I. A good, a good, a good test. Now, I'm preaching to the church. This isn't evangelistic tonight. I'm not preaching to the lost man. I'm preaching to the church. You've got a hand clap praise. The Lord says this. If you're walking in the light as he's in the light, and you're not walking in habitual sin, repeated practice of sin, he said the blood of Jesus just keeps on cleansing you. Which takes me back to the Gospel of John and also to the book of Revelation. The Gospel of John, the Bible says, he's the only one that I, I recall recording him piercing where it's recorded where they pierced the side of Jesus. And out of his side came forth water and blood. Water speaks of life. Blood speaks of cleansing. He's the word of life. He came to give you life and cleansing by his blood. When he cleanses me of my sin, 
And when he cleanses you of your sin. Woo! The word cleanse literally means this. It has been put away from you. It is literally, it's literally cut out of you, so to speak. You got sin in you, he, you repent of it, you confess it. He gets it and stands it over here away from you. Sin. So you don't repeat it again. But once he excises it, takes it out. Then what he does is, if you take cancer out, there's going to be a, a place where it was cut out. There's going to be a scar. So the word here when he says, he cleanses us, it literally means this. He's taking sin away from us, standing to the side, apart from us, and then he heals the scar. So that you can't even see where the sin was. Because he took it out of you. And then he... He completely removed the scar. Now, for some of you, this might not mean a lot, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it does to me. Because I know that all around me is darkness. I know all around me is the results of sin. Are you with me? I know it. To, I am not sinless. I don't have a sin, sinless nature. I've got Jesus in me, but I still got a fallen nature in me. I still need to be cleansed. When you talk about cleansing, you're talking about power with deity. You know about cleansing? You're talking about power with deity, man. You're talking about dealing with deity. And if you're going to deal with deity, deity, you've got to be cleansed. Because you can't deal with deity if there's filth in your life. So to be cleansed means he takes the filth away so you can deal with deity or power. So I can deal with deity, God himself. Now watch this, okay? Say life. Because you are surrounded by the effects of sin. And you've got a sin nature in you. Okay? Then you need cleansing. Every day, repentance. Every day you need cleansing. So you can deal with deity. But the good news is this. Is that he'll cleanse every sin. I said, he'll cleanse every sin. And he even take the scar away. He takes the filth away and the scar away. Every bit of it. Every sin. Except blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Because Holy, the Holy Ghost convicts you of sin. If you blaspheme the one that convicts you of sin, there is no forgiveness for that. And if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't be here tonight because you wouldn't even care. So you haven't done it. So all manner of sin, he forgives man all manner of sin. I'm thankful for that tonight. Gets rid of the filth, takes care of the scar, so I can deal with deity. Say cleansing. Old Testament, they had to be cleansed to deal with deity. 
I don't want to embarrass you. I could get into some stuff here tonight. It embarrasses you, so I'm not. But there were things that had to do with everyday life that you had to be cleansed for. And the reason why that is because these everything, everyday things of life, you go study yourself. Everything days of life that men participate in that had, they had to be cleansed from, they were looked at as powerful things like birth. Like So God says you need to be cleansed because it's a power thing. If you're going to deal with deity and go to that level, you've got to be cleansed. It's a power thing. So that the closer I walk with him and as I walk in light, if I don't let the darkness that's out there and the sin nature that's in here take over my life, then it's going to allow me to have more power in my life. There will be an anointing and an unction in my life that will increase. Hallelujah. Not more of God, but he's got more of me. Now here's my point. Here's my point. Because you are surrounded by the results of sin, you have to be cleansed. How? By his blood, it says there. He died for us on the cross so that we could just be cleansed continuously of all sin. That's the gospel. And then I bury my sin, and I don't have to stay down because he got up. And if he got up, I don't care what you tell me, I don't have to stay down. So if he's already taken care of the sin, I better not try to bring it back up to you if it's already under the blood. You know, the reason why that is, because then I'm trying to keep you down. You know, so what you need to do is say, nope, nope, you, you can't keep me down, because he got up. And by the way, I didn't just stop this for one day. I buried that thing. And I rose up and I left it behind. Now I'm walking in newness of life. And I don't want to sin because I've got life in me. Sin is death. I don't want darkness because I've got light in me. I ask you a question right now. If, I took, if we took all the rules away, child of God, there's a lot of people that don't go to certain places. The problem is they haven't experienced the gospel. I guarantee you that if God is in you and life is in you, then what he's done is he's written the word, his commandments on your heart. So if we were to take all the external so-called commandments away, you know, external rules away, you know what? If you were really a child of God, you'd keep doing them anyway because you know it's right. It's not because the preacher said it. It's not because the church said it. It's because God put it in my heart. Because if it's not in here, you're going to want to go out there and do that. You've got to be changed from the inside out. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. 
We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We're cleansed by water baptism in His name. And we're cleansed by the Word. Now I'm almost through, okay? I'm almost through. But what I'm trying to help you understand is this. You are cleansed by the Word. Also. You must come in here and you must hear the Word of God preached to you. Because what happens is then we speak the Word of life. <clears throat> Life is in you. The word of life, Jesus, is in you. But when we speak his word into your life. You are transformed into that very image. But you have to remember this. That when you go out in the world, you are surrounded by the results of sin. You're surrounded by darkness. You're surrounded by demon powers who operate in the realm of darkness. You're surrounded by death. But there's life in death. Now I want to explain what I'm talking about, alright? Will y'all hang with me here? There is life in death. So that you've got to kill the life that's in death. The enemy that's out there, the devil, is the father of lies. He is speaking life into you. Now this is going to blow your mind. You don't understand what I'm going to say. He's speaking life into you, but that life is death. What I'm saying is this. In order for a cancer cell, which will kill you, to exist, it has to live. So there's life in death. So in order for it to get healed of that disease, you got to get the life out of the cancer cell. In order for you to get rid of the disease. You've got to get rid of the life that's in the death. And so what the devil does is some of you getting sick, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're surrounded by the consequences of sin. But how did it get inside of you? Because a spirit walks up to you and says, cancer. See, the devil tries to do what God does. God, he is the word of life. And when the word of God goes forth, it cleanses you. It enters into you. And it gives you true life. That, oh, that's why. That's why when you come in here, you feel all damn defeated. Been fighting a battle. Been in the darkness of this world. Death all around you. All kinds of demon powers. Dealing with all kinds of stuff. And you come in here and you hear the word of God. And you walk out of here dancing. And you walk out of here laughing. And you walk out of here full of joy. You're praising God. And you know something's different. Something happened there. Because somebody spoke the word of life into you. It came inside of you and changed everything. And what was all that that you were going through? 
It was all this darkness, this error that's out there, these demon powers, everything, the results of sin that are there. Coming to you, trying to imitate God and speaking life to you in the form of death. Now, I'm not talking about where you're in the grave. I'm talking about the germ. In order for the germ of death, the germ of cancer, to live in you, that means it has to be alive. So what the devil does is he comes and he speaks that word into you. That life in death. That life of death in you. Be in their cancer. Be in their disease. Come alive, germ. A lot of this, the diseases that people have are not genetic. They are demonic. So what he's trying to get you to understand is this. That the word of life has entered into you. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The moral darkness has been taken out of your life. But you're still surrounded by darkness. You've got the powers of darkness. Spirits who operate in the realm of darkness. Come on. They are, in, they are contesting the truth. They are lying to you. They're contesting the word of God. They're contesting the word of life. They want to speak life in death. But you've got to kill the life that's in death. So when somebody gets sick, in the name of Jesus... In the name of Jesus, I kill the life that's in death by the word of life, Jesus Christ himself. I speak the word of life into you right now, brother. In order for anything to live, in order for anything to live, it must be alive. That's why you need the word of this life. Your dreams cannot live if your dreams are not alive because there cannot be any life there cannot be any living in the dream if there's not life there so what I gotta do here come on I gotta speak the word in you dream live dream live live and not die i got to speak the word of God into you and therefore cleanse you. Because God is letting you know you can't escape. The S-K-O-T-I-A. The results of sin or the consequence of sin. It's all around you. And there's life and death. That's why you need to come to the house of God. So the word of life will go forth and enter inside of you and kill, watch, and kill the life that's in death and bring you back into true living. We'll give God praise.
in the world's going on? You say, man, I'm a child of God. I've got precious promises in His Word. And just the opposite that's taking place in my life. It's because the enemy is walking around and giving life to death. And then we go to God and we don't understand that we have fellowship with Him or participation or partnership with Him. Which means this, we get down and beg God for everything He's already done for us. <laughs> we think that God gets glory when we go and say, please, please, pretty please, please, please. God doesn't want you to come to Him like that. He's already done it. He wants you to know it's already done. It's in the covenant promise. You just say, God, you already said it's mine. I speak the word into that right now. It belongs to me. It belongs to me. So what happens is when you come to the house of God and the word goes forth, it enters inside of you. And you experience true life. And that, that thing that's trying to kill you, that's got life in it, that came from the enemy, is overcome. You start getting a revelation. You start seeing him. You start hearing him. You start experiencing him. You start handling him. You understand what's happened for you uh, on that cross. Uh, that you can't, come on, you can't keep me down if he got up. And if he's not in darkness, if I'm walking in the light as he's in the light, his blood's just going to keep on cleansing me. And the beast comes to overpower me. And the lamb comes to, to try to get me to walk in apostasy. And the perfume painted up harlot comes to seduce me. But as long as I keep walking in the light, as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus just keeps on cleansing me from all sin. What do you believe tonight? Do you believe the life that the enemy's put in death? Are you believing that word? Are you believing what God has said he's already done for you? Who are you listening to tonight? Those that in the realm are the sphere of darkness? Spirits in the, uh, in the darkness? Y'all listening to them? Are y'all believing them? Or are you believing the Word of God? Because if you're listening to those spirits out there in the powers of darkness, which you're still affected by, as long as you give place to them. But if you don't give place to them, and only the Word of God dwells in you, the wicked one toucheth you not. So he's coming. He'll come. He'll talk to you all the time. He'll talk to you, man. You're not going to make it. You're no good. You're nothing but a no good sinner. Your daddy was a dog and you are too. Your mama was a dog and you are too. 
and this isn't for you. And if you listen to that, that life that's in that death, are you hearing me? Death is alive. You're not hearing me. Death is alive. And if you're listening to the wrong things, you will not make it. So what you got to do, because listen, this report or this declaration is prophetic. And so when you get in that situation and you're hearing all these voices, what's going to happen is as you're praying and as you're worshiping God and as you come to hear the Word of God, all of a sudden, you'll start prophesying to yourself. You'll start declaring to yourself what the Word says. I'm telling you the truth. You start praying stuff, you start seeing things. You see yourself doing things. You see the, ch the church doing things. You're prophesying it, moving in it, hadn't even seen it, yet physically hadn't come here, but you've seen it in the spirit. Not optically, not optically, but you've seen it spiritually. You've spiritually perceived what God is doing in your You're not hearing me. And the devil comes to you and puts that word, that life and death. And if you believe in it, he can take you down. Watch, watch. And it's amazing because you go to the house of the Lord and a different declaration goes to you. The word of life, true life is spoken to you. And you get a witness inside. I said, you get a witness? You get a testimony? You got a testimony? I've been hearing one thing, but there's something in the Spirit. God's been telling me something different and showing me something totally different. And pretty soon in prayer, when you're all by yourself, you start prophesying to yourself. And you haven't even seen it yet. And the enemy comes to you and lies to you and tells you you're a liar, tells you're false, lies to you, tells you you're not going to make it, tells you the church's not going to make it. And all of a sudden, you hear the word of life come to you. And the word of life says, go do this, go there, get in your vehicle. I want you to do this. I'm going to do this for the church. I'm going to show you this. Got to get you prepared. I'm going to do great things. And you're going down the road. And you've been all depressed and all discouraged and all heavy. And you got all kinds of disease and sickness in your mind. And all of a sudden you think to yourself, why am I doing this? I thought this other word told me I wasn't going to make it. I thought this other word says I was going to die. I thought this other word came. Oh, yeah. But I've heard the word of life <laughs> verse 8 before we get there look at your neighbor and look and tell him Tell them this. Speak a word into them. Say, dream live. Live dream. I curse the life that's in the death that the devil has spoken to me. I'm walking in another sphere. I'm walking in another power. 
But see, we fail to understand that every thought we have and every voice that comes to us, we've misunderstood to think that that was always God, that He was the only one that could ever speak to us like that. But the devil is trying to put life in death. And when you come and you hear the Word of God, it goes forth. That's why you're, trans that's why you're changed. That's why you walk out skipping. Man, I got an awesome future in God. No wonder he said, I've given this all to you that your joy may be full. I know what happened to your daddy in the garden. But I came to restore everything that was lost in the garden. I came to redeem. I came to restore by redemption. So, I choose to be dependent. I choose to lose my life. So I can get it again. My life again. True life again. I made up my mind. I don't care what the enemy tries to sow into me. What kind of life he tries to give to death. I believe what the apostles say. Watch. His blood keeps on cleansing us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we walk around and claim we are sinless, that we don't have a sin nature in us anymore, we lie. We're not just in error. We are fighting the truth of God's Word. We deceive ourselves. Verse 9, if, but here's where here we go. If we confess our sins, if we agree with God, if we agree with His Word, and we say what He says, admit it. Admit it. Instead of putting on a show, Admit it. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Forgive, take away sin, make us stand apart from us. And to cleanse us, say cleanse us. Get rid of all the filth. Remove the scar. From all unrighteousness, He forgives us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because see, if I'm walking in the darkness of this world, instead of having a manifestation, a revelation of Jesus, instead of seeing and hearing Him, and then manifesting in this world, if I'm walking in darkness, darkness is secrecy. 
Darkness is concealment. Darkness is no manifestation of light. So if you're walking in darkness, there's no manifestation of light in your life. You're walking in a secret. You're trying to hide things all the time. You're trying to conceal things. Ooh, God. See, I would rather be lights, camera, action. Because if you're a true believer, there's going to be action in your life. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, I got a few people. I said, they're sitting in the church that I pastor. And they won't move their little pinky in church. They won't move their pinky. They say there's something. But there's no action. Lights, camera, action. Where's the proof? Okay, watch. And I told my wife, I said, they don't know how crazy I am. When I first started preaching, I preached like an evangelist. I went from church to church to church. So I saw a new audience every, every time I preached. And I was real young, you know. I'm still pretty young. but I was real young then. I was real young then. And because I was a young preacher, some of them old saints... Hold your arms. What has he got to say? <laughs> and the anointed come on me, and I look around the eyeballs, man. <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm saying is I went to preach one time in the church, and I felt this spirit coming off of somebody who claimed to be a saint. They were a daughter of some saints in the church, you know. <laughs> Played the flute on the platform, too. And I'd start preaching that old spirit rise up in them. And I'm telling you, the more they sat there and looked at me, the more upset I got. And I don't think they've ever seen a preacher like that. But I walked up to him and I said, in the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Ghost. And I started, I started coming against that darkness. I started praying for them. You know from the time, boy, it freaked them out. But you know from that time onward, Every time they talked to me and saw me, they, there was respect there. <laughs> and I told my wife, I said, those were the days when people would just look at me while I preached. I'd just go lay hands on them right in the pew. And I said, I got a few of them sitting in my church that are like that right now. They don't know <laughs> that someday I'm going to lay hands on their head. <laughs> because you see, with time, I haven't gained in wisdom. <laughs> Lights, camera, action. Stop talking the talk and start walking the walk. Because when you walk in darkness, there's secrecy and there's concealment and there's no manifestation and there's no action in the light. Lights, camera, action. You can say it and it not be true. Because if you got the goods, there's going to be a manifestation of it. Give God some praise. So anyway, hopefully I don't have to do that to anybody.
I just sat up here and preached the Word of God, and y'all finally get a hold of the Word, you know. <laughs> May I just speak life into you, the Word of life into you, and the place where that devil's been speaking life into death will be changed, and you'll really start living. Woo! Because if you're not for real, you're not going to be able to stand it anyway. You will not be able to handle the word that comes from this pulpit. You will not be able to stand it. You will be threatened by it and you will leave. And if you're not careful, you'll go to a place where they so-called preach enough to kill you. And I'm not trying to put you in bondage. If you want to go, go. Hallelujah. Bless your heart. I'll give you a letter today. <laughs> I'm not trying to keep you here by intimidation or manipulation. But I'm trying to tell you the truth. Give God some praise. Because when you come to the light, your deeds are reproved. Your deeds are going to be corrected. Mine too. Mm. Are y'all okay? If we confess our sins. How many of y'all have been doing that lately? I have. Been confessing my sin. He is faithful and just to what? To forgive us our sin. He will do it. He said he would do it. He said he would do it. You don't have to cover up. Confess it. Confess up. Don't try to cover up. Whatever you do, I pray that there's not something out there that's drawing you into their company. And you feel more comfortable with the darkness that's out there than you do with the fellowship of light that's in here. Because I'm looking at sons of light. God's good. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness has to do with the harm I've done to myself and the harm I've done to other people. Aren't you glad for that? Then when I harm the purpose of God in my life or I harm the purpose of God in your life, if I confess that, God will take care of that unrighteousness. That thing that's wrong in my life. Hello? And sometimes you need to confess it to God and only confess it to the person if God tells you to. Because if you walk up there and you've done somebody wrong and they don't even know you've done it wrong, done them wrong, you know what? I got to confess something. I hate your guts. I always have. Since you come to church, I just couldn't stand you. <laughs> God told me to confess. And from then on, that person looks at you in a different way. <laughs> Sometimes just confess it to God and treat the person right. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Because if you treat them right, you wouldn't have to explain why you've been such a devil to them. <laughs> Let's go on. Okay, ready? If we confess his faithful and just forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the wrong things we do. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. So I've got good news for you tonight. You can be forgiven. You can be cleansed. He has forgiven all men of sin concerning the sons of men. Pastor, but my past. It was crucified with him on that cross. It was buried with him when you went in on water baptism. When you rose out of there, you walked in newness of life. Your old life's gone. But now we need to have, learn how to operate in this life and in this light that we now have. Let's stand. What you need to do is you need to start prophesying to yourself the Word of God. You will live and not die. I speak life to your dream. Because if it's not living, if it's not alive, it can't live. If it's not alive, it can't live. I speak life. I speak abundance to you, brother, in the name of Jesus. I speak divine health to this church. I speak healing into your bodies. I speak deliverance into your minds. I speak truth that sets you free into your life. Speak joy to you in the place of sorrow. Beauty in the place of ugliness. The image of God in the place of the servanthood to the devil. Holiness in the place of unholiness. In Jesus' name. You need to walk in your house instead of cursing your wife and cursing your children. Going to your job, cursing your job. Letting the devil use your tongue to speak life into death. If you don't like the situation, prophesy something till it changes. You don't like your marriage? I prophesy over my wife right now in the name of Jesus. I'm going to do what Brother Jonathan does. I'm madly in love with my wife. <laughs> my wife doesn't love me. She's going to prophesy over me. I'm madly in love with that man. Can't keep my hands off of him. 
<laughs> you're walking in there cursing the whole thing, your relationship and everything else, you wonder why. You're, giving, you're, you're letting the devil use your words to give life to that death. And that cell, that germ's not going to die until you get rid of the life that's in it. It's not. You got to kill it. You got to kill the life that's in that death. I'm almost through, but sister Maria, I understand there was a time that you couldn't have children, right? Okay. At one time, there was a word that went to you, a word of life into that death. And for a while, you believed that. Until there was a man of God, not myself, but another man of God, that prophesied to you the plan and purpose of God. And in the place of the life of that death, in the place of that true life, came and hit her womb. And it wasn't too long after that that she started giving birth to children. In the place of what the word was before, came the word of life. The word of this life. You got to speak a different word. Got to speak this one. Woo. Just stand up and say, he must be heard. He must be seen. He must be declared. He must be testified about. If I don't have a testimony, I'm dead. My faith is in vain without a testimony. I have to stand up and say, look what the Lord. Amen. Not has done. But is going to do. A testimony is not just standing up and saying, look what the Lord has done. A testimony is standing up and saying, this is what he's going to do. Before you ever see it. What time is it? Okay, I'm fixing I'd let you go. But I want to help y'all some, okay? When you stand up and testify that it's coming Sunday night, don't tell us your life story. We could care less. Now, I got some sentimental sisters in here that are going to say, oh. But we really could care less. I just had to get that off my chest. I, I'm going. <laughs> now, now, and I know you women don't have no husband that want to listen to you talk. So you don't have to come to church and do all your talking. <laughs>
Just stand up and prophesy to your situation and say, I believe the Lord's going to heal my kids. I believe the Lord's going to bless my house. I believe the Lord, yeah, I got a word from God tonight in the prayer room. God's about to do something tonight in this house. Praise the Lord. I love y'all. Don't get mad. I hear some of y'all talking right now. Well, Pastor, you're long-winded more than any of us. I'm preaching the book. I'm preaching the word of this life, man. Now, I guarantee you when you leave this place tonight, you are going to be different from the way you came in. And you won't even know why. Because you really haven't seen it optically, but you perceived it spiritually. And that's how come there's so much power in this word, because it is alive. I love y'all. Good night. Be blessed in Jesus' name. And the reason why I have to do that is because I've been down lately. You know why? Because I haven't been getting any calls but bad news. Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. Pastor, one call after that. But you know what? Won't you call me up? You got something to call, talk to me? Go ahead and call me if you got problems. I don't care. Got to say that because you'll, you know, go off and commit suicide and I wonder what happened to you. <laughs> you know, sometimes call me up and say, hey, Pastor, I've been prophesying to myself. Man, some awesome things about to happen, Pastor. You're fixing to see a changed man and a changed woman. Now, if, if the phone goes dead on the other end, just call the ambulance and have them come pick me up. I heard a collapse on the other end, you know. I love y'all. And God loves y'all. And he's got a great plan for your life. <laughs> Start speaking that word into your life and other people's lives. The word of God. You are dismissed. I've already dismissed you. Go home. Praise the Lord.